I imagine that I'm not the only person to have rebuked a high fever over the last few months. This passage where Jesus rescues Simon's mother-in-law from what could have been a life-threatening disease speaks to us in a way now that maybe it wouldn't have done a year ago. For many, the consequences of a fever have been grave, and my rebukes have only ever really had an impact in collaboration with Calpol. But Jesus's rebuke is effective and banishes the illness, as is his rebuke of a demon possessing a man in the synagogue and his rebuke of the demons who are shouting, you are the son of God. In fact, Jesus seems to have quite a flair for rebuking not only demons and illness, but elsewhere in the gospel, wind and waves and just occasionally the disciples themselves. Why is it that even those forces that seem so far out of our control respond so immediately to Jesus? What is it about his words that cause people to be amazed? What is it that gives him this authority? It's easy to imagine Jesus simply being a compelling public speaker or a particularly compassionate teacher. But this passage, passage points to something more. It suggests that some, his claims about himself, his teaching and his actions were deeply aligned, that there was something about his very nature that gave him authority to speak, to heal, to cast out demons. And I think that Luke has put this passage here for a very particular reason. We have just read about how Jesus, fresh from his baptism by John, passed into the wilderness and was tempted by the devil to exercise his authority in all sorts of ways. But instead, he goes to a synagogue, he pronounces the year of God's favour and insists that he is the fulfilment of the promises of Isaiah. Having narrowly avoided being thrown off a cliff, he turns up in another synagogue in Capernaum and he starts casting out demons on the Sabbath. The message is clear. The man that we are reading about claims an authority which is above the devil which is above the synagogues, which is even above the Sabbath, the holiest day in the Jewish week. When he said that he would set prisoners free, he really meant it. And here's the evidence. Here he is, casting out demons and life-threatening illnesses. And he's willing to do it right under the noses of the religious authorities. And it's the demons that name this authority. You are the Holy One of God. You are the Son of God. They know who he is and they have no choice but to respond to his rebukes. But Jesus is unwilling to let the demons be the ones proclaiming who he is. That is a privilege for those who have experienced his healing and his release. I think it's pretty hard to look at this passage without giving a bit of thought to exactly what these demons and afflictions are. I think it's easy to fall into one of two traps. One 
is that we totally despiritualize it. We see demons as simply the way that illness was perceived in the ancient world. And that all these things are really just manifestations of what we would call disease or mental illness. Uh, and this healing is just Jesus responding to their physical needs. And that way we reduce the world to just the things that we can touch and see. And we squeeze out room for anything else, uh, perhaps including God. On the other hand, we can embrace the idea that demons are real and end up imagining that there are little invisible demons scurrying everywhere, perhaps with pitchforks, at the root of every ailment. And that what we really need for everything, whether it's a cough or a sniffle or a mental illness or anything else, is a good exorcism. And that it's only in miracles that we really see God at work. And this kind of thinking can do an enormous amount of spiritual and physical damage to people as they assume that their illness is a manifestation of some sort of spiritual failing. And I think the truth here is that this distinction between natural on one hand and supernatural on the other is just not something that Jesus would have recognised. Yes, it's true that in the Hebrew and Greek world, demons were understood to be at the root of illnesses. But there wouldn't have been a distinction between a physical illness or a spiritual illness. Everything was physical. Everything was spiritual. All disease is short of God's creation and does not belong. So wherever people are being healed or set free, whether it's miraculous or not, God is at work. Jesus, the Son of God, has authority over all of it. After all, even the demons respond to his rebuke. I don't think this just applies to diseases either. I think we know that there are lots of ways in which this world is short of God's created order. And there are things that don't belong and that Jesus is determined to rebuke. And what is happening here is that Jesus is enacting the very kingdom of God, which is he, he is proclaiming sight for the blind, release for the captives, freedom for the oppressed. As we go on, we'll see that Jesus even has authority to forgive and is able to release people from the sin that holds them captive. The authority which Jesus refused to exercise when tempted by the devil is now deployed to rescue the people of Capernaum from all their afflictions. Jesus spends a lot of time talking about this kingdom of God, and it's a really important idea for us to get our heads around when we read the Gospels, because we might understand it as referring to heaven or some sort of idealised version of church. But for the people are listening to Jesus, it was something quite different and quite specific. It was loaded with all of their expectations of a Messiah who would come and overthrow the ruling authorities and claim the throne of David. One New Testament scholar describes it as a Jewish way of talking about God becoming king. And perhaps the easiest way of thinking about it is the reign of God. That's R-E-I-G-N, not R-A-I-N. This is a really powerful message for Jesus to be preaching at this time and in this place. The people of Capernaum lived under occupation from the Roman Empire. 
who had a really uneasy truce with the Jewish authorities. Everything in their lives was governed with reference to these two authorities. And Jesus' very presence was radically provocative to both of them. Because only because when he claims this authority, when he heals, when he casts out demons, he isn't just proclaiming what he is, but he's proclaiming what these other things aren't. Jesus is Lord, not the demons. Jesus is Lord, not the high fever. Jesus is Lord, not the Roman rulers, nor the Jewish authorities. We may not live under occupation, but if we think that there's nothing claiming authority in our lives, then we're not really paying attention. I've been thinking about some of the things that claim authority in my life. And there's some fairly obvious things, like the government, and at the moment we can't avoid the sense that the government have authority in our lives, where we weigh up where we can go and who we can see. But there's other things like the newspapers I read, or the people I follow on social media, and going even deeper, there's the ambitions that I hold, or the messages that I've internalised from my uh, childhood, from people around me. And all of these things bind us up. They might be good, they might, not, they might be bad, they might be more complicated than good or bad. But none of them can set us free in the ways that we need. At some point in the future, the government will announce that the restrictions are removed. And it may well feel like we're being set free. But it won't even touch the freedom that we are offered in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus, as the Son of God, stands in authority over all these things. And he is in the business of setting us free from that which binds us. Jesus is Lord, not Boris Johnson, not Keir Starmer, not Trump or Biden, not sickness, not even COVID-19. Not our families, not our circumstances, not our personal histories or the myriad of other things that try to assert themselves as authorities in our lives. Jesus pulls all of these authorities off their thrones and on the cross, what seemed like a victory for all those earthly powers was turned into a defeat. Jesus is the ultimate authority, not just in our lives, but over all things, in all places and at all times. So that nothing in heaven or on earth can separate us from the love of God. Isn't that good news? As we look around us, we can see that there things in the world are not all as it would be if God were fully in charge. We still suffer under authorities. We're still subject to disease. We still pray your kingdom come. But we look forward to a time when all these things will fade away. Trusting in a God who is greater than all of these things. And watching for signs of God at work in our broken world, in our lives and in our communities. Those people who witness the kingdom of God at work are compelled to spread the word. We can learn something from Simon's mother-in-law, who got up at once 
and began to wait on them. I love this because I can imagine my own mother-in-law would respond to a miraculous healing by getting up and putting the kettle on for everyone. This woman, having received complete healing, immediately responds by offering hospitality to Jesus and to those people around her. She wants to get involved with welcoming and serving other people just as Jesus has welcomed and served her. This is not a kingdom where we are merely subservient subjects. We are co-heirs and we are called to take part in building his kingdom here in Thurnby, in Netherall, or wherever God has placed us. It's unsurprising, really, that the people of Capernaum wanted to stop Jesus from leaving. They wanted to try and contain him, to bottle up the benefits of the kingdom for themselves. Maybe they wanted Capernaum to be the centre of this new glorious kingdom and to claim Jesus's authority as their own. And the people of Nazareth tried to throw Jesus off a cliff for suggesting that the kingdom would be, extend beyond their own community. Jesus's authority could not be contained then and nor can we stop it now. Jesus insists that the good news of the kingdom of God cannot be hemmed in by our expectations of him. Instead we are invited to take part in this great movement of release not because of who we are but because of who he is. And as we read on in Luke we'll discover how he has the power and authority over all things, and is at work setting his people free, even to the very ends of the earth.